Can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering thighs? That thing, that thing, that thing with James Once every millennium something will come along When you feel it you will know it cause it's coming on strong That thing, that thing Welcome to episode 32 of That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II. Yes, that's me. Hi. How you doing? That's great. Cool. My turn to talk. Uh, today, I have no guest, so it's just us. Like old times. Ah. Oh my god. That guitar did not want to go into its stand. Ah. <sighs> It's just us, just like old times. So, hi, how you doing? Great, cool. Um, I've had a lot on my mind lately. I don't know what the deal is. I think it's because it's the end of the month and I always kind of get like this at the end of the month. Maybe because rent's due, maybe because all the bills are due. Maybe it's just my period. I think men have periods just like women, I mean, Maybe we don't bleed out and we don't suffer the pain a woman suffers, but uh, I think men do have periods where for a week, once a month, they get cranky. Maybe I'm just projecting that on other men, though. I know I get it. IMS, irritable, irritable male syndrome. It's like the, the male version of PMS, uh, premenstrual syndrome. So, uh, yeah, I think I've got that going for me. IMS had a lot on my mind and it's been hot, dude. I'm fucking sick of this heat. I'm ready for it to cool off again. I'm very ready for it to cool off again. Um, I'm like, I don't even feel fully awake until late at night after it's cooled down a little bit after it's only 99 degrees instead of 110, not including, um, humidity. I don't know what the real heat index is. The real feel. Definitely in the 100 teens lately. Probably. At least 110. Like every day. And um, it's kind of hard to focus. It's kind of hard to wake up. It makes me feel a bit nauseous. Like slow digestive uh, situation. Um, so yeah, I'm ready for some temperate weather. Not necessarily frigid, but temperate weather something where it's comfortable to just leave your window open and then it's comfortable like that you know in the 60s yeah 
somewhere in the 60s. That's when I feel good. 60s, very low 70s. Um, so yeah, been reading a new book. It's a really good book so far. Just Kids by Patti Smith. You know who Patti Smith is? If you're older, you probably know who Patti Smith is. Um, if you're younger, maybe you're the type of person who knows Patti Smith is. If you don't know who she is, she's a poet, musician, very talented woman, and a very talented writer. And she wrote this book about her friendship with the artist Robert Maplethorpe. Have you ever heard of Robert Maplethorpe? You might be familiar with some of his work. Perhaps you took an art class in college. Perhaps you saw a, and perhaps you saw Robert's self-portrait. Um, I mean, he, he did traditional art, but he got into photography. And that's what he got really well known for, was for his photography. And his self-portrait is a photograph of himself um, wearing leather chaps and other leather gear. Um, with the handle of a bullwhip stuck up his asshole. Yeah, that's Robert Maplethorpe's self-portrait. Very talented man. Um, may he rest in peace. He died, I'm pretty sure he died of AIDS. Um, but I haven't gotten that far in the book yet. I just remember what I've learned, what I learned about in college and then reading on my own. And it's funny that this book should come into my life at this time. Well, come into my life. I went to the library to get it. Um, at the socialist bookstore, which I love. And um, yeah, I'd known about the book since it came out, but I just hadn't read it. And then I was listening to some podcasts and someone was talking about how inspired they were by Patti Smith and, you know, gritty 1970s New York. And I'm like, that's the stuff I'm inspired by. That's what I've always wanted to live in. It's like that gritty 70s New York kind of a world. Purely authentic, like almost to a fault, you know, dangerous. It's dangerous. If you've got a chance of getting stabbed, you know you're, uh, you're at least in an interesting place. You know, you're not probably not going to get too bored. <laughs> kind of like New Orleans is sort of like that to me today. Uh, you do run the risk of getting mugged if you turn the wrong corner and if uh, you're acting like a tourist or maybe uh, just some rube. So don't act like a rube, okay? R-U-B-E, rube. A mark. Uh, yeah, that's that's what con men and stuff call uh, their target. Their target is a mark. So don't be a mark. Don't be a rube. Anyway, um, yeah, so I've been reading about... I've been reading this book, and I find myself really identifying with young Smith and Maplethorpe. Um, their dreams and aspirations, even the way that they lived their life... Um, resonates with me because I've had uh, I've gone through similar stuff and I have similar problems, similar feelings. Speaking of feelings, you know they've got this feeling. I was the part that I was just reading about this morning. It's the afternoon right now, early afternoon on a Saturday. Um, what is this? The thirty first. Well, 
they're talking about feeling like misfits. And, you know, I get that. I get it. I've been thinking a lot about feelings of alienation. And I've had those feelings for a lot of my life. I would venture to say most of my life, I have felt alien. Not like in an extraterrestrial sense, just alien as in alienated. Alien as in a, well, a foreigner from Earth, but a foreigner. And uh, several times in my life, well, at least a few times in my life, I have been a foreigner. And there... There's a certain feeling that comes along with being a foreigner, especially if you're not just visiting somewhere, but if you're moving somewhere, if you're living now in a strange land and you're not from there, you're a foreigner. And these strange lands are not always welcoming. And that leaves you with a certain sense, especially when you're a young person. When you're a young person, it affects you, the everything when you're younger everything is just so new to you that it's just so intense um feelings experiences that's just part of being young well before i get too far into that let me take care of some quick business i want to thank wade for becoming my second patron on this show the first patron being josh josh and wade Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you both so much with all of my heart. I appreciate your patronage and um, I'm just, I'm honored. I'm very honored to have your support. And if you are not Josh or Wade listening or watching this, listening to or watching this, um, you too can become a patron if you want to help support this show. Uh, You can do so. You can donate. Uh, at my Patreon account, which is at patreon.com slash that thing with James. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. You can donate. It's a monthly setup with several different tiers. And I'm still thinking up added things to, you know, benefits to add to these tiers, like maybe some kind of incentive. Maybe I could write a poem. Maybe I could shout you out. Maybe I could give you, like, uh, for a certain thing, I'd give you one shout-out. For another tier, I could give you a shout-out every episode. Um, maybe I can send you a one-time poem. Maybe I can send you a monthly poem or a letter in email form. Um, and, and maybe for the big rollers, I can send, like, a physical letter or poem by snail mail. That'd be something special, wouldn't it? Um, but you can donate as little as $1 per month or as much as $15,000 per month. Yes, that was a tear. And I, I laughed when I was like, they actually, they don't, they don't limit you at this? Well, they do. You can't donate, you can't set it for any more than $15,000 per month in donation. But I, I went to the mags just because fuck it, you know, in case you've got fuck you money, or if you're really bad with money management, or you just want to gamble on me and let me tell you if you're gambling on a james j asher the second the odds are in your favor wink so yeah 
You can donate if you want to donate. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. That can uh, just show your support and I can start saving up money to get better gear. Um, maybe have the the privilege of getting more free time to spend on these episodes and do these episodes and get more guests and stuff like that. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. If you want to email me, you can hit me up at uh, that thing with James at gmail.com. If you have questions for me, questions I could answer on the show, questions you want to keep personal. If you're in need of advice, um, I, I would prefer to answer advice questions on the show. If you have any ideas for an episode topic or a, um, you know, or if you just want to say hi and tell me you love me, send me an email at thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. All this stuff will be written in the description if, in case you missed it. Uh, let's see what else. If you're listening to this and if you haven't done so already, please, uh, you know, subscribe to this show and rate the show and write a review. That would be great to help people uh, like you find me. So perhaps, you know, we could spread the love like butter. And if you're watching this on YouTube, and if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to my channel. And likewise, uh, you know, give it a thumbs up if you like the video. And uh, write, a, write a comment. And for everyone, just share the show with your friends. Share the, spread the love like butter, baby. European butter, high in fat, definitely salted. I don't care if a recipe calls for unsalted butter. I'm using salted butter. Why? Because salt is tasty. And I take efforts to, you know, not take so much salt in my body that I will end up with blood pressure problems. But salt is tasty. It adds flavor. So yeah, salt that butter. European extra fat butter with salt. Spread it like this show. Um, let's see here. What else? Ah, I have a website if you want to check that out. JamesJAsher.com. Uh, at the website uh, on the contact page, you can find the contact information for my agent. If you want to maybe get in contact with me for a project or a job or something, or you could email me. But if you want to contact my agent, that'd be, that'd be fine too. Um, that's on my, my website, jamesjasher.com. I have a blog there as well. If you go way, way back before I started the show and just only updating it when I update the episodes, um, I have just my writing there, some samples, some at least two-year-old writing on there. And, uh, yeah, if that, if, if you like to read and, uh, if you would like to do that kind of thing, you can go there, jamesjasher.com uh, on the blog, a slash blog. There's a blog there. Okay. All right. You're getting confusing, James. What else? I have a Instagram account and a Twitter account. I'm active on both of them, although lately I haven't been too active, maybe a little more on Twitter, uh, but both of those, my handle is at jamesjasher. 
both on Instagram and Twitter at James J. Asher. I do have a Facebook page, but I don't really do shit with it. Um, so yeah, Instagram and Twitter at James J. Asher. Visit my website, jamesjasher.com. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, share the love, and donate at patreon.com slash that thing with James. So, so, so suck my toe. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about alienation. And what really triggered it? What really triggered it? Let's see. Two, last week, last week, I went to open mic and I just tried to get in conversation uh, with the group of dudes who are very clearly the, the in-group. They, they think they're the in-group. And uh, I just tried to enter the conversation with them and, and mention something, and they just weren't fucking having it. You know, they don't have room for me. They don't know me. They don't care. They're better than me and uh how dare i talk to them you know in the world in, in any career really you'll find these kinds of people and in any career those kinds of people unfortunately a lot of them get ahead but not a lot of them last and the ones that really matter usually don't act that way the people that end up mattering the most who who may even be like really successful they don't do that you know don't be fucking cliquish don't be elitist don't turn your nose up at people talk to new people be open to new people um and and don't think you're hot shit when you're not hot shit this fucking in group i've heard their bits i've heard their sets over the past few months that I've been doing this, um, I've heard their stuff and they're not that funny. They're not that good, but they think they are. And, but they're the in-group. They've been around longer, so and they know each other and they don't know me. And then I, I even heard about another dude, one other guy who was in the group said he only lived here for a few months so actually he's only been in the click for like a month longer than i've been committed to doing stand-up although i've not been doing a lot of it lately just because i've been i guess an emotional wreck a bit um but there's this other dude who's in the in group and i'm like well i guess he's been around for years too but no no he's new they just think he's cool because he dresses kind of like he's got a weird style you know kind of a frumpy sort of thing but his stuff's, I, I mean, it's, you know, it elicits a couple chuckles every now and then, but it's nothing special. These people, these dudes, these dudes are nothing special, but they think they are hot shit. Um, and, you know, how dare I try to fucking mention something or, or enter conversation with them at all? How dare I deign to sully their presence with mine? And, uh, well, this happened uh, last, uh, two Tuesdays ago. And I, I was kind of later in the show, later on the list. And just the whole time, after I tried to enter into conversation with good faith, and they just, like, fucking shut me down, said some really snarky shit to me, not, like, in a nice way, uh, and then turned their noses up, 
yeah, fucking cold shoulder. You could just feel. He could just feel the fucking, uh, you know, hoity-toity coming off of them. It's not even a, a phrase. I, I can't think of a better phrase right now. But, you know, I could just feel the the disdain for them. The, the out, This is an outsider. Don't let them talk to us. Don't even know if they're going to. If this outsider is going to talk to me, I'm going to shut him down. I don't know who he is. And I don't fucking care because I'm better than him. Even though maybe he's objectively might not be better than me. Uh, well, anyway, I was just sitting in the green room and I just shut my mouth. And there was one other guy who I talked to there. And he's always been really nice to me. He's a little bit older dude. I think he's in his 40s, later 40s. Um, very nice guy. And he actually is funny because he, he's very humble. Um, he's a single dad and, um, and he always has time for you and he's moved around different states. He's lived life and he does have time for you. And, uh, he kind of saw me after that. I, he, he, I can tell he's empathic as well. I can tell, uh, you know, I'm a sensitive person. I'll tell you. I am a sensitive person and I can tell that that guy is sensitive as well. And I think he saw what happened. Well, he had to, cause we were all sitting in this kind of smaller green room and he just saw how kind of sullen I became just kind of with withdrawn. I became after getting shut down and, uh, he saw me, but he didn't say anything. Cause I think his, his turn was coming up, um, but he saw me and I just sat there thinking, why am I even doing this? Why do I keep fucking doing this? I'm not going to get anywhere. This is just a waste of my time. I, I don't think I'm doing this for the right reasons. I don't know if I even care to do this anymore. If I have to deal with people like this and um, why am I even here? Like everywhere I go in this whole fucking state, I feel like an alien. And, um, and that's kind of what I did my bit about all of a sudden, like I, I, I wasn't, I, you know, I was juggling around a couple different stories, but I decided to settle on this one story about alienation once it came my turn. And let me tell you, it went over pretty fucking well. It was the first time that I was not trying to be funny. I was not trying to get a laugh. Even though I tell myself like every time, like, don't try to be funny. Don't try to get a laugh. Just try to communicate. Um, and then just let it happen. Let the ha-ha happen. Because that's how it happens, at least for me. And... Um, it usually doesn't work out that way because I usually end up getting up there and trying to be funny, trying to get a laugh. But this time I was feeling so sullen and alienated um, and withdrawn and alone and out of place and just fed up, just fucking fed up with being an outsider for so much of my life um, that I guess... I didn't even have my mind on trying to be funny. And I turned out 
doing, I must say, my best bit thus far. And one of the uh, people, one of the uh, the the person at the desk who like takes money because it's like this particular place I was at. It's a pay what you want sort of thing. And uh, this guy, there's a couple people they have that work in the um, the front of the house. I guess not front of the house, but whatever. I, I can't think of the name of it. Brain dead heat, dude. Heat, heat, bake brain. Well, they've got a TV in the sort of like waiting area slash bar area at this comedy club now, and it will show what's going on on stage. And so after I did my set, I, I felt so much pressure off i felt relieved like by the end of it i built up so much fucking just it, it was the high i got the performance high and that's the thing i chase that's me that's what i need part of what i need is the performance high and i got off stage and i was just oh and someone else who was in there waiting and stressing in the green room was like how was it how, how do you feeling and i said oh glad I got it over with glad I got it out and I grabbed my my bag and as I was walking out one of the uh, ticket booth guys he turned to me and said like you did a really good job tonight and I said thank you and he said no I'm serious you did really good tonight and I said thanks and um, now and I, I guess that uh, in my mind was like, you know, I think that was actually good tonight because I wasn't trying to be funny. But that feeling quickly gave way again to just what's been on my mind lately about feeling sort of out of place. And I'm going to say a bit more on that after this quick break. Be right back. So there's a couple couple things I want to talk about. I want to talk about my early days here in Austin, and I want to try to find a way to weave the theme of alienation into it somehow. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this off, but let's try it out. Because I, I don't feel like talking about my, my origin tale, because I've, I've talked about that in early episodes of this show. If you haven't listened to it, go back. Start at episode one. The audio has gotten better over time, I hope. Well, let's see here. In July of 2012, I graduated from grad school. I, I, I didn't make it through. I, I had to hang in for an extra semester. For the summer semester, I had to hang in to um, finish up all the work I need to f needed to finish up just because I, I couldn't keep up. Grad school was a lot of work and a lot of stress and a lot of worry. And it's a lot of worries I still have. Um, and it's something that I, I failed basically three relationships in that time uh, because of my worry and the worry was what am I going to do with my life where am I going to go how am I going to survive 
I know what I want. I know what I want, but I don't know how to make that possible. So I was trying to figure out how to make what I want possible. See, I was coming from Oklahoma, from middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, um, where I grew up mostly from the age of 10. And um, as far as I know, I'm the only actor um, from that town, at least of the people I know that I was in school with. I still stay in contact with some of them. As far as I know, I may be wrong. Um, and I'm not trying to say, like, I'm, I'm special or anything. I'm just saying I think I'm the only actor from there. And there was no, there was no theater class or program at the school in my, my hometown. So when I enrolled in theater in, in undergrad, like straight in, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to be an actor. And I just, my first time in theater was in college. Now it was not the first time I had performed, you know, I was in band, marching band, concert band. And I had, let's see, I'd done like uh, one or two plays in like kindergarten or first grade. And then I remember in maybe fourth grade, third or fourth grade, when I was living in New Jersey, um, me and my friends, Matt, Sean, and Ben, um, we did a choreographed dance to the Men in Black song. Here come the Men in Black. We went to, like all of us, we, we kept going to Burger King because there was a Men in Black uh, promotion going on with the, uh, the kids' meals at Burger King. And... I kept going back to get these things like the sunglasses and a toy neuralizer. That's the thing that erases your memory, the neuralizer. Um, and I, I just had to go to Burger King so much until they got those toys in and I got those and we all got them. And if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure I was like the choreographer. I had the idea for the thing, for the talent show, for the school talent show. I had the idea for the dance and I was the one who like choreographed it and we even had like a breakdown bit. We do choreographed dancing and then we each get a moment to do our own little improvised breakdown like spinning around on the floor or something. I wish there was a video. <laughs> God, I wish there was a video of that. But we dressed up like men in black and danced to that song. Um, so uh, that was performing as well. Um, so I had performed a little bit, um, but the arts and, uh, particularly theater was not something that was, uh, cherished in the town I grew up in, a small town in rural, 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 what a horrible word that is, the country in Oklahoma. Um, now, my dad used to teach English, and he, I think for at least a year, maybe a few, he taught theater 
he got um, the principal or or whomever i don't know who he had to talk to the council or whatever to let him teach a theater class because when he went to school there because this was his hometown as well this is where he was born and uh he said that they did have a theater program when he was in school and he thought it was awful that there was no theater program um at the time that he was teaching which is when i was in school there and so he started the program, but that was the year I went off to college. So I missed out on that. Um, so yeah, I got into theater, did all that stuff. And then after that was done, I had no idea what to do. And my, my parents were very emphatically wanted me to go into grad school just in case, just to get the degree, just in case. And, you know, I didn't really, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that I didn't really have support, but I didn't really have any mentors and I didn't really have any experience. You know, I, I know a few other people went off to like a few of my classmates from undergrad. Um, a few of them worked on cruise ships um and then other people went off and did other things but i didn't know anyone who went to los angeles or new york to really like pursue a career in acting and um i had one teacher who was new one professor he was new my senior year of undergrad and uh, he had just come from LA and he was trying to make it there as a uh, script writer, uh, screenwriter. And I guess he didn't have a great time there and he quit. And when I told him what I wanted to do, I was like, I think I want to, you know, go to New York or LA and make it as an actor. He said, do you want to do theater or film? And I said, well, preferably both if I can swing it and he was like <laughs> good luck with that and that was about as much support and direction as I got and as far as getting out of academia and going into the entertainment industry was concerned and so I figured maybe if I go to grad school I can get so I can learn more about this art that I want to learn and I did and I did make some new connections and I did. Um, some of my old friends from undergrad did move out to Chicago um, and then some other people moved to LA, some other people moved to New York, but I still didn't really have a whole lot of support. And all through, all through grad school, I was just having a, a quarter life crisis. I felt like I was having a quarter life crisis from the age of 13 on until like, um, I think I still might be having it. Um, not as bad as I used to, but through my, through like, let's say 13 to 27, man, I was having a crisis and I didn't know what to do. And that ruined some relationships because I was in my head. And plus, I was just immature. I didn't know how to function. I didn't know how to make a relationship work at the time. And, um, you know, so I, I got dumped a few times in grad school. 
And after that, I had no idea what to do or where to go, but I knew I wanted to be an actor. I knew I wanted to be just an artist. I just, there's these things I have to do. Like, I don't feel good if I'm not writing, writing and performing and entertaining and acting. I just don't. I don't know. I don't think everyone has this feeling, but it is something that I simply and quite literally cannot live without. I need it. It is air to me. It is food and it's sustenance. It's my blood. I need it. And what's really difficult, and I still deal with it, um, what's difficult is not getting to do that all the time. And, you know, plus I have to deal with my own, uh, feelings of self-worth or lack thereof and, you know, conquer those things and like get out and go try new stuff and then have to deal with fucking clicks. Well, well, anyway, I want to talk about how I got to Austin. So summer came July, 2012. I graduated from grad school. I had the master's degree. It was done. I could start my life. But where the fuck was I going to do that? And um, there was a lot of upheaval going on in my family. Um, People dying. uh, People, a lot of falling out. Just, it was a really, really rough time, 2012. And it didn't get any easier anytime soon. Um, I took a few months off and, you know, I tried to explain to my family, like, look, I have been in school nonstop for like 18 years. I want to take a break before I have to, you know, get a job and figure out how to live and figure out where I want to go and how I'm going to manage to be the person living the life that I want, that I need. And um, so I kicked around for a while. I thought I could go to New York or LA. And I've been telling myself through grad school, maybe I'll do it, maybe I'll do it. But when it came time after I graduated, I chickened out. I became very intimidated. I didn't know, I didn't know anybody in either city, New York or LA. And I had no idea. I, I'd never lived any place that big. I'd visited New York several times, Manhattan, uh, Bronx, but I never lived there. And I barely knew how to live, you know, in small towns in Oklahoma. Um, so I figured out, and, and also I was like, all right, I, I want to do film stuff, but a lot of the things, a lot of the jobs you need uh, to be a member of SAG. And it's kind of a pain in the ass. Like, you have to get SAG credits to become a member of SAG, but it's hard to get SAG credits if you're not a member of SAG. And I was just, I thought, okay, I could do this difficult or I could do it smart. And I think I can figure out a smart way to do this. So I figured I would go to either Chicago or Austin uh, for a few years 
get some experience, and then move to one of the big cities. And uh, so I kicked around. Uh, I visited my brother in Denver. I went down to Texas. I visited my sister. And um, I, I spent a week in Chicago. But by that point, I think I'd figured out and I had a lot of friends in Chicago who were trying to set me up. They were like, we got you. Like, this dude's looking for a roommate. Um, we can help you find a job. We know people, yada, yada, yada. And it was a it was a great time. But I was telling myself, like, no, I want to do film. And from what I understand... If you want to do film stuff, maybe Austin would be a little be a better choice than Chicago. Plus, it won't be so cold and it won't be cold for quite as long. And I already expect to be struggling, poor and hungry. So do I want to be freezing on top of that? And I said, "No." So when I got to Chicago, I I felt kind of bad and I still feel a little bad because they wanted me there so badly. And I kick myself sometimes. Maybe I should have gone to Chicago. Where would I be now if I did go? If I had gone there? Where would I be? And, um, but when I visited, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do Austin because I had a few, I had a bunch of college friends in Chicago and a few in Austin and a few more that would be moving there. Um, and I understood that Austin, you know, I thought was like, you know, it's a real indie film kind of place. It's a good place to start. You can do um, just college and other short films and get some experience, get some credits and then, uh, you know, move to L.A., and boom, I've already got a, I've got a resume, I've got a degree, I've got experience, I've got a real blah, blah, blah. Um, I think I, you know, that would have made it easier for me in my mind. This is this is all my rationale it would have been easier for me having having achieved those things to move to L.A. and like get representation and get uh, get jobs, get acting jobs and, uh, make a living doing just that. And I figured, you know, maybe it'll take just a few years, three or four years. And then I can move to LA and make a go of it. Well, in, in October of 2012, I moved to Austin. Um, I had a girlfriend before I moved. She dumped me just because I, I, she said she wanted to move and I, I get it. I get it. She wanted to make me happy and keep the peace, but she didn't really want to move. So she did the right thing and she called me up and was like, Hey, I can't go with you. And I don't think we should be together. And I said, I get it. I respect that. Um, thank you for letting me know. And it's better you said that than for you to have come with me and end up resenting me uh, for doing something that you didn't really want to do. So we split up um, and I moved to Austin. Now, I had visited a couple times over the summer and early fall 
of 2012. And I'd set up with a couple friends. Um, they, they were dating at the time, these two friends. They, I went to college with them. And they lived together in a, an efficiency apartment. And uh, they told me that when I moved to Austin, they would let me crash with them while I tried to get a job and find a place of my own. And I said, that sounds like a good deal. And they were like, this will be great. Uh, we can make our own stuff. And I said, that's great too. I think that's one of the best things we could do is create your own work. You know, if you're not finding work, make your own work, especially as an artist. If you're not finding work, make your own work. So I figured with all these people, and we're all um, leaning toward film, we all have an interest in film, I figured we could make our own production company and start making our own work. Well, come October, it's a couple weeks, maybe two or three weeks, before I'm supposed to drive down there with my few belongings and move to Austin. And that is when I got a text message from one of the two of the couple, one member of the couple who said I could crash. He texted me, hey, um, are you moving to Austin? And I said, uh, yes, I'm still moving to Austin. How are, are things looking okay? And he just said, you can't stay with us. There's not enough room. And that was it. He pretended like he didn't know that I was moving there and just said, no, we don't have room. And so that's when I had to uh, figure out another game plan, which I will get into right after this break. I'm eating grapes. I'm going to eat some grapes. Be right back. Wink. So with now no place to land, when I got to Austin, I said, I'm still going to Austin. Anyway, any way possible, I'm getting the hell out of Oklahoma. And so my dad suggested I look into staying at a hostel. I said, that's actually a great idea. He said, it's cheaper than a hotel, substantially cheaper. So I looked up a hostel and I found one. Um, Hostel International, I think is what it was called. It's down on Lakeshore Boulevard off of East Riverside here in Austin. And I booked two weeks because the most you can stay at that hostel is 14 days cumulative every year. So I booked for two weeks. Um, it was like 30 bucks a night, I think. And all this money, I was still, I just had money saved up from student loans from grad school. Um, I, I lucked out and undergrad, I managed to get through without having to take out loans because I, I qualified for uh, financial support for like free tuition. And I did other work study kinds of things. And, um, but when I got to grad school, I had to take out loans. So I had money left over from loans and 
I also knew that I had some more money coming in from a car wreck that I got into just after I got finished grad school. Um, my car was totaled and I, I was not at fault. I was in downtown Tulsa, um, I think at 4th and Cincinnati, and the lady wasn't you know, she was lost and not really watching the road, trying to figure out, I guess, looking at her phone for a map or something. She ran a red light and uh, totaled my my car. It was a Chevy HHR, my first vehicle. I called it the magic school bus. Man, I used to smoke that thing out so much when I, in undergrad, I'd open the, open the fucking door and a, you know, smoke cloud would just billow out. So that was definitely the magic school bus, but it got totaled and I broke my wrist. That was part of the upheaval of the summer and fall of 2012 was I uh, broke my wrist in that car rack because um, I had my hand on the wheel when we boom ran in. She kind of like hit the front left of my car. So it was sort of like a front impact almost. And also my I, my hand was on the horn when the airbag deployed. So I just jammed it and, and broke, got a fracture, hairline fracture and one of the, the major bones in the wrist. And um, so I had that and I knew I was going to have that money coming in. So I, I that's that's how I survived for a bit. And I stayed at the hostel and I made friends with international people whom I'm, I'm still in contact with, like Mel in Australia. If you're listening to this or watching it, hi. If you're not, you got to check this out. I think you might like it. Um, and just some other friends, international friends who I'm still kind of in contact with. And that's where I also met my first roommate this uh, young lady from new zealand and i had the most difficult time understanding her when i first met her because i'd never met anyone from new zealand and her accent was thick um, but our mutual acquaintance at the hostel this dude from from morocco he knew that i was looking for a place and he knew that this young woman from New Zealand was looking for a roommate. And so he put us together and um, we coordinated and she was like, look, we need one more roommate. I'm moving in with this other couple, this like um, 20, 21 year old uh, boy and girl from, from Dallas. Well, uh, from just outside of Dallas they're living at this place that's like mostly student housing, but it's not, it's not actual student housing, but they market a lot towards students. And the situation there is that most of the apartments, you know, except for like the, the one room apartments, the other ones, the multiple room apartments, you only pay for your room. So you're, you don't have to worry about other people not paying their rent because you're only responsible for your room and you have like a living room area kitchen you share the living room and the kitchen and the washer dryer nook and beyond that and a couple bathrooms but beyond that you're only responsible for your room the rent was like 375 but that included electric internet and everything else it was like altogether 375 for one place fuck yeah i'm taking that and it was on East Riverside. I, I don't think it exists anymore. It was called The Edge. 
and um god that place was so fucking tacky and gross well anyway she said she was moving into a four bedroom unit and uh there was like some insane like fully clinically psychotic chick who was moving out because she got evicted and uh, so they needed they were looking for someone else to fill that room hopefully someone cool and you seem cool so uh we'd like you to move in so i said great i'll move in there and this was like days before my 14 days was up at the hostel and uh I, I talked to the, the the leasing agents at the main office, and they were like, yeah, great. Yeah, you can move in there for sure. Um, can you afford it? Do you have money for first and last month's rent, yada, yada? And I said, yeah, I've got, I've got this all in my bank account. They're like, well, you don't have enough money, so do you have a job? No, I hadn't found a job. I'd been trying to find a job, but not having much luck. Like I tried to get a job at uh, Barnes and Noble because I was like, I want to work at a bookstore. That'd be cool. Work at a bookstore. Um, well, I don't know any smaller bookstores, but there's Barnes and Noble. So I kept, I went to Barnes and Noble like a dozen times and kept talking to the GM there. And he kept stringing me along and stringing me along and telling me like, oh no, you don't get to work in the book section. All new people have to work have to start working in the Starbucks, the in-house Starbucks, which is a fucking lie. I found out a few years ago, like, no, no, you can start in the book section. Like I was just fucking lying and dragging me along. And I was like, do you know of anyone else or have any ideas of where else I can look? He said, no, 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 no. I don't know anybody. I can't help you. And it was a lot of that. A lot of no's and a lot of uh, we can't help you with that and just not helpful people at all. And at this point, I'm still thinking like Austin was what I understand, old Austin, up until I guess like the uh, turn of the millennium, up until like the early 2000s, it was kind of uh, like that Richard Linkletter movie, Slacker. I thought it was going to be like that, uh, but it turned out that had been dead for like a decade by the time I was moving here and it just turned into a gentrified corporate hell. And um, there's still some weirdness, still some soul, but it was going away. And it's, I mean, there's still some weirdness here for sure. Definitely compared to a lot of other places in the US. But um, by and large, like the soul's dead. <laughs> uh, at least compared for, for, to what I understand it used to be compared to what I thought it was going to be like, you know, I thought it was just going to be like, you know, people are cool, open-minded artists, a lot of slackers, you know, we can just drop acid, make art kind of a thing. Um, it didn't, you know, that doesn't really exist here and I'm not sure it exists much anywhere else anymore. Uh, you know, the world has become a corporate gentrified hell, uh, bereft of, uh, soul. Well, anyway, um, you know, I applied for a job at another, at an actual Starbucks. Didn't hear back. I applied at smaller places. They had a help wanted signs, but I didn't look cool enough. I wasn't like one of their friends, so they didn't want to hire me. 
So I didn't have a job. So I had to ask around and thankfully my, my sister and brother-in-law co-signed for me. So I could get in, I could sign on for that apartment or for that room in that apartment at the edge. And they were like, okay, great. Your room will be ready in one week. And I said, how come it's not ready right now? And they were like, well, the other person is just moving out and we need to go in there and clean and it's going to be all new stuff. It's, you know, we're, we're putting in a nice hardwood floor, giving you all new appliances, fresh coat of paint. It's going to be one of the first apartments that we're doing a new interior design with. You're going to love it. I said, that's great. That's awesome. And then I was like, well, what the fuck am I going to do for a week? Thankfully, thankfully, my friend Jenny came through for me. Jenny I'd known since undergrad, but I didn't find out until after I had already like agreed to move into this apartment at the edge that she was living in Austin and that she was looking for a roommate like when I moved there. We were literally like half a week apart from figuring out we both lived in Austin and we're both looking for uh, a, a nice living situation. Unfortunately, she just moved into a place up north into a house with like three or four other dudes. And um, but she's she was like, you can stay with me for one week. No problem. I'd be happy to have you. And Jenny, if you hear this, thank you. I love you so much. Um, she is one of the many people in my life who I consider to be my heroes, my guardian angels. Without you, I don't know things would have turned out okay for me. Um, so she was there. She let me crash. We got a blow up mattress. I slept on the floor and it was just kind of like a, a sleepover. We just like stayed up and ate popcorn and watched movies and TV and just talked and enjoyed each other's company. It was great. It was almost like we were married, you know, we'd make each other breakfast and stuff. And, and I would try to get, I would try to pay for groceries and try to pay her. But she said, no, 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 no. You, you don't have a job. You're not in a situation. I've got a job. Let me treat you. And I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I still say that Jenny, thank you. So she even tried to get me a job at a museum she was working at, but it, it didn't work out well. And I also tried to get a job at the hostel, but that didn't go through either. It's fucking hard to get a job. You know, if you're young, uh, you're going off on your own, your parents are telling you, you know, just show up, just take a resume. It ain't that fucking easy anymore. And it hasn't been that easy for a hot minute, even for a shitty minimum wage job like cleaning shit off of a public toilet it's hard to get that job well i i stayed with jenny for the one week and i went back to the edge to the main office and said all right i'm ready to move in and they said oh you're uh who are you and i said i'm james i'm moving into apartment one two three room b and they were like oh um, your, uh, your room's not ready yet. And I said, why not? And they said, well, we still need to, we're renovating it. We're adding all new stuff. It's going to be the first one in the entire complex to have wood floors and yada, yada, yada. And I said, wait, 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 wait. You said this to me one week ago. One week ago, you said it would be ready today. 
It has been one week since you told me it was going to be one week. And you're saying that you guys still haven't even cleaned the room? And she said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're going through some management changes here and, and things are just a little crazy right now. But I promise it'll be ready in, in another week. And I said, fine. And I went back to Jenny and she said, well, you can stay with me another week. No problem. I'm happy to have you. So Jenny took me in a second week. And I, I just remembered before Jenny, like I, I had one night between uh, getting out of the hostel and then hanging out with Jenny. And um, Jenny was out of town. She was back in Oklahoma visiting her parents and I couldn't stay at the hostel and I didn't really have anywhere else to stay. And um, the, the couple that said I could crash with them, well, they split up. That's why I couldn't stay with them because they were breaking up and one was moving out. The guy was moving out and the gal was staying there. And the gal, she's a very talented artist named Liz. And um, she, thank you, Liz, she got me signed up with my first agency because she got into an agency when she first moved here and she put in a good word for me so i got in and she did it again after i quit that agency and then another agency after that that i was only with for like two or three months because i it was with the same guy who turned out to be a fucking con man that's a whole nother story um but my current agency liz got me on with this one too so thank you for putting in such a good word and helping me. And well, she told me that um, there was a house party in the same apartment complex that she was at. Um, and it was, I think it's, it was called Woodmead at the time. It was on Pleasant Valley and Old Torf, not too far from my first apartment at the edge. And um, let's see what happens. Um, I got out of the hostel, I packed my bags, I had my shit in my car, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to sleep in the car tonight. No problem. Jenny's going to be back tomorrow. I'm just going to sleep in the car this one night. And just so happened that Liz was like, hey, a friend of mine from back in Oklahoma lives here in my same apartment complex. They're throwing a party at their apartment. You're invited. And so I said, fuck yeah, I'm going to go. So I went and, um, you know, I partied, drank, smoked. And um, at some point I was out on the balcony having a cigarette and thinking about, all right, this is a good secluded place. This is a big parking lot, big complex, many different buildings and lots of shade and it's set out of the way. And there's no signs that say, you know, you have to have a tag on your car. So I think I'm just going to crash in the parking lot here. I see a nice shaded area over by the dumpster there. And so I was thinking about that while I was sitting alone and the host of the party, um, Cammy, um, she came out and sat next to me and said, hi, how you doing? I was like, yeah, I'm doing fine. And I guess I was just thinking about what was going on in my life. And she looked at me and she was like, you've been through a lot of shit, haven't you? And I said, yes, you could tell. She's like, yeah, yeah, I can see it in your eyes. 
And I said, yeah. And she, and she's like, so where are you now? And I said, well, you know, I just got out of a hostel and, uh, my friend Jenny's coming into town tomorrow. I'm going to crash with her. And Cammy cut me off and she was like, were you thinking about sleeping in your car tonight? And I said, yeah. And she said, no, you're sleeping on the couch. You're sleeping here. And so she let me sleep on the couch. So Cammy, thank you <laughs> for saving me from sleeping in my car that night. Um, and then the next morning I got awoken at uh, like 6.30 or 7 by Cammy's then boyfriend uh, tapping me on the leg and saying, hey, you have to leave. So I got up, got back in my car and just kind of like kicked around town, went around, filled out more job applications at other places and waited for Jenny to come in that night. And so she came in, yada, yada. Okay. Two weeks pass. The first week passed. My apartment at the edge wasn't ready. Second week came along. I went back. I, I thanked Jenny, gave her a big hug and said, we're going to stay in touch. Although we don't stay that much in touch anymore, but uh, we still love each other. And uh, I, I went to the edge, to the front office, and I said, hi, I'm James. My room should be ready today. And they said, yes, 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 yes. Your room is ready. And so I said, thank God I've got a place to sleep. I drove to my unit. I used my key to go into the apartment. Um, my other roommates weren't there. The kids from Dallas and my and my friend from New Zealand, they were all gone at work or, or school. And so I go into my room. I, I walk up to my room. The door's closed, and there's still the remnants of a pink, um, uh, what is it, evacuation slip? Uh, uh, eviction. There's a still remnants of a uh, taped up, pink eviction slip on the, on the door and I open the door and I turn on the light and the room is a fucking mess. There's no hardwood. There's no new paint. Instead, there's a carpet with what looked like torn out tufts of hair strewn all over. I'm talking like 20 handful tufts of hair that just look like someone ripped them out. And from what I understood, you know, the, the previous tenant of that room was not well at all, n n not sane. So her hair was all over and I can only imagine that she had spent time ripping it out and there were bitten off fingernails all over. Um, there was dust all over everything there was a closet with like two sliding mirror doors those were all smudged up and even had lipstick on it dead bugs all over everything dead cockroaches spiders dead ants just a bunch of dead bugs and dust and hair and fingernails and up underneath the the bed too as well as like empty pill bottles with her name on it marianne and um it's funny i think marianne was the woman who lived in this apartment that i'm living in now before because emily she moved into this apartment 
three months before I moved in with her. And she said that the chick who was living here previously was named Marianne, and she was a fucking psycho. And it's just like, okay, this is a pretty small town, and I see the same people often. Now, how many Marianne's are there that fit this description of this behavior? You know, my New Zealand roommate and the, the kids from Dallas described their Marianne in this particular way. And Emily described her Marianne in that particular way. And I can't help but think, I bet that's the same Marianne. Well, needless to say, management at the edge did not clean my apartment at all. And I was livid. I was livid as much as I could be, except for the fact that I now had a place to sleep. My new roommates all came home. I told them about it. They said that sucks, but thank God she's gone. Thank God you're here. And um, and so I spent my, that was my first night at the edge. And the next day I had my first appointment, my first meeting with my first talent agent. And um, so I had to get ready. I had to rest up and everything. And that night, I ended up tripping balls on these little gel pills called triple C's at the behest of one of the Dallas kids. The gal, she was an aspiring model, and the guy, he was close to getting kicked out of ROTC. They both like to take this stuff called triple C's. Um, it's basically a pill form of a gel capsule form of Robitussin, the over-the-counter cough syrup. If you drink enough of that stuff, it makes you trip out. It's called robo-tripping. And, uh, <laughs> and the guy was like, yeah, we take these all the time. You want some? And I was like, I really shouldn't do it. He's like, oh, come on, man. Just take, just take three. It's not going to do anything, all right? And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I take about 12. And I, you know, 12 does me fine, but three is not going to do anything to you. Anything to you, three or four. And I was like, in my head, I was like, well, I'm new. And this guy's offering me a communion, you know? And I was raised Catholic, so I see the value in communion. I thought of it as a cultural thing, as a, a rite of passage, a rite of acceptance, a, a, a welcoming ceremony into my new life. And so I said, all right, I'll take, I'll take three triple C's. I took them. And about an hour later, I started feeling the effects of what would turn out to be one of the darkest trips I've ever had. The night before, I'm supposed to meet with the guy who's supposedly going to help me get my acting career up and running. Well, it looks like I'm past an hour now, and this story's not done yet. So I think I'm going to call this part one, and I'll finish up the story, maybe. Who knows? This might be a three-parter. I'll get into the story again on the next episode. How does that sound? And if you want to read about this stuff, 
I, I wrote a book based on a lot of the stuff that I've been talking about today and probably will be in the next episode. Um, if you want to read an excerpt of that, an older excerpt, you can find it on my blog at, on my website. Um, but yeah, quite a story and it's not even done. Oh, there's more fun to come. But anyway, that's it for now. I want to wrap things up, say thank you for tuning in. I love you. Spread the love. If you want to donate, you can do so at patreon.com slash that thing with James. Send me an email, that thing with James at gmail.com. Look me up on social media at James J. Asher. And I'll catch you next week. Bye.